0: obviously worked through that with many of us here and uh, Gordon has a girlfriend so we wanted to <laughs> some of you are like, what?" Um, so we wanted to let you know about that because in a month and a half, two months uh, he's going to be getting married and uh, this is <laughs> you don't know what do you do right here right <laughs> About half of you are like, I don't, sh- what should I, I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know. A um, girl that he knew as, even in high school and uh, dated way back in those days. And so, um, so the reason that I'm saying this is because there's, there seems to be, from my conversations with people about this, conflicting uh, concerns over this. And here's part of the reason that there's conflicting concerns, because family is the worst about this, Right? Family is the worst about letting outsiders in and uh, and specifically in these unique circumstances. And so there is a, a really good possibility in the next few weeks, something like that, that Gordon may bring her from Texas to meet us. Be nice. <laughs> Put your best foot forward, right? Don't you hear that right before Thanksgiving dinner when you're a kid? Please don't make an idiot of yourself. You know, that kind of thing. Um, I know that uh, we are extremely... Pleased and proud for Gordon with this. This is, this is a huge transition. I for all of us. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling like, I, I don't know. I'm not. I don't feel like a pastor here. I feel like a relative, and uh, and and I am conflicted with this some. But at the same time, uh, we do want to acknowledge that God has done something pretty big here. That uh, this has been a long two years, but God is really big, and then He does a lot, and He can do some things. You know, when, we, when we're reading Philippians that the peace of God goes beyond our natural understanding. These are those moments when you recognize, this is, I can't process this stuff naturally. I've said this, many of you have said the same thing. How do people without Jesus do this thing called life? Right? And so uh, I'm sure Gordon will let you know whatever he needs you to know about this. He has been, he has been talking about that he may even move down there to San Antonio, whatever, that's a bridge too far, am I right, am I right, let's vote, okay, she can come up here, she can come up here, right, that road goes both, okay, I'm going different, all right, so, (laughs) so, we've had an interesting week, we've had a fun week, exciting week, Thursday, we had the flyover, and every year, it gets bigger and bigger, and this year, we were closer to 500 people, that we're out here on the property. In fact, we're running out of space. I was noticing that as all the cars got here, and then we began to wait for the Thunderbirds. They were about two and a half, three hours late. But um, we, all this was up here was full, and most of this out here was full. And I'm thinking, if we had say um, 40 more cars, we're really looking. We don't have a lot of extra room out there, which is cool. It's fun. And uh, so, if you don't know what this is, every year the Air Force Academy graduates. They do that at universities, and and uh, they, the Thunderbirds come and fly over, and uh, th- this year President Trump was speaking, all the different things. So we have, because people are already parked in our property, uh, we organize it, and we, have, we give away free hamburgers and hot dogs, and it makes it just a great time of connection. And every year I have people that'll come up, and they'll talk to whoever is working, handing out hot dogs or whatever. They'll come up and talk to people, and sometimes they'll send them to me, and somebody will say, well, can we, um, can we donate to this? Can we give? And uh, we always tell them no. Please don't do that. And and part of the reason is because there there seems to be a mentality from people, and I think it's rightfully so. I don't think this is unjustified from from society that says the church is always asking for money. Right? A lot of times, church is asking for money, and uh, and so we just want to give. And so we tell them no. You you can't give money. We just want to give to you. And That's always surprising to people. Are you sure I can't? You know. Um, but now now. I want people to know you don't, to, you don't have to just give. Church isn't about giving. Now, tithing is different. You understand that. Tithing is something that's a relationship with God. It's an obedience thing. God told us to do it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying just giving to a church. Sometimes churches should give back, right? And that should be the part of this. And so that's a lot of fun we have with that. It's, a, it's always a great time. Uh, yesterday was the Walk for Life. Many of you uh, participated, did things. We had a booth out there. Saw pictures on Facebook. It was... Uh, it was, uh, it's something that we believe in here as a church. That's a, that's a big deal is we believe in this. This is, um, we believe in, in life. We stand for the sanctity of life and we stand strongly against abortion. Um, and if somebody asks, yes, we do believe it's a sin. We believe it's murder. We believe it's destroying a human life. And it's not a little mass of tissue or fetus or something like that. And so, so uh, we like to stand for these kind of things. I did want to show you some pictures we have our building in India is getting the second floor. It's going up. It's uh, looking nice. They're working on it, doing some stuff. You've got a couple more there, yeah. Uh, one from the outside, you can see kind of how it's going up. And, uh, and if you're standing here in the position where this camera is looking at this, if you're, they would be standing on it. There's a little dirt road there that, that you'd be standing near. It may be right behind them. Um, and if you look to your left you would look and see the main um, uh, road, like an asphalt road, that if you go up at about half a mile to the left is Ramper Hut. And then uh, if you were to look to your right on this dirt road, there's a little village down there that um, is where a lot of people walk right in front of the the building. They're from that village to go to Ramper Hut. A lot of traffic up and down this little dirt road. And, um, And then if you were to look off to your kind of over here to your right, is a large school that's being built for a few thousand students that'll be going private school, um, where kind of the, the upper crust of society will be sending their kids for, for quite a distance, like 100, 150 miles in every direction, will come to that school. So it's, um, it's exciting to have our building right there. It's exciting to see the second floor. The second floor will obviously look like the bottom floor will be all smooth and white and, and uh, all that kind of stuff, like the fences. And it's, um, it's just really cool. <clears throat> so, uh, one more thing I wanted to mention. I've been talking about this the last couple of weeks. Uh, Krista, our children's pastor, is here. She just uh, got here. And th- this is basically what we're talking about. We've had a lot of transition in the last uh, four or five months, a lot of transition. In fact, um, as much transition as I've seen uh, ever in ministry, <clears throat> where pretty much every single uh, department head leader, things like that, almost, there's only like one or two that are kept from this, is in transition, that we are, people are moving People are saying, I, "I need a break from this." Different things in every single um, position of leadership, just about in our church, has 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 either stepped away or been in transition, including two hired positions, which we've which which Sam is our worship pastor, Chris is the children's pastor. A lot of these things are happening. So basically, this is what we did: Krista uh, gets here, and we say, "Krista, welcome. You have no team. You have nobody to work with you. Welcome." I mean, that was basically. Well, we did, and so that's, uh, that's going to be tricky and challenging for her. Her first responsibility is not just to take the children's department forward. It's like to rebuild everything, uh, even teachers, all kinds of stuff. We've got a few teachers that are still doing, but, I mean, there's been just turnover and everything. And so the reason I'm saying that is if you're considering uh, doing something, ministering, doing something, you're thinking, you know what, I, now's the time. I need to do something. I've been watching for a long time. I need to do uh, you might think about children's ministry. This is this is a great, fulfilling place. And Krista needs a team. She needs a bunch of committed people that'll that'll say, "I, I can uh, step in here and help you, and we can make this thing move forward." So, so I'm speaking this morning <clears throat> about the Holy Spirit. This is a continuation of uh, last week, and it'll take us into next week, which is actually uh, Pentecost Sunday. And uh, we'll, I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to get us to see certain basic things. I mentioned this last week. Um, Pastor Morris of Gateway Church in uh, Dallas, one of the nations, if not the largest church, it's one of the largest churches in the nation. He wrote a book called The God That I Never Knew. And it is one of the best books I've read that's like non-academic, that's, um, that is about the Holy Spirit. And who is the Holy Spirit? What's he trying to do? How does he, how does he operate? Things like gifts of the Spirit, um, the fruits of the Spirit, all this... Who is he? And part of the reason, is he said he grew up in church, and, and as he's grown up in church, that the Holy Spirit was like never mentioned. And if it is, it's just like part of the Trinity. Oh, yeah, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, like part of an incantation. You know, you're baptizing people, or you're praying, or whatever. But it's not like he, he learned about him, understood who the Holy Spirit was, uh, understood what the role of the Holy Spirit. So as he began to grow older and, and look at this, um, he began to process this. So I strongly urge, recommend that you read this book. It is a great book. You say, well, how would I do that? You pull out your phone right now, and you go to Amazon, and you look the book up. It's not hard to do. The God I Never Knew, Morris. Not hard. And then you could even do a digital download and begin reading during the message. <laughs> See how full service we are around here? You don't even have to pay attention to me. Sure, start reading the book. Um, actually, I didn't take any of this from the book, but it's, it's a great book. Uh, I would strongly strongly urge you to read the book. Um, it really does explain some things and help us to understand some stuff so in in looking at this and kind of the mentality of the God that I never knew um, when I was growing up that 's not how it was. I grew up in Pentecostal churches, so we talked about the Holy Spirit a lot and uh, but but it was still almost like um, it was still almost like we did it in secret because it, it, it was like he was a pariah or something and and uh, we, were, we knew all about the Holy Spirit, but nobody else did, kind of thing. So we kept him secret. secret. And, uh, and then some of that wasn't even accurate about what I was learning. But, but it's interesting how we can take the power of the universe, the power that 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 empowers humanity, that says the power that raised Jesus from the dead. The Holy Spirit is that power. He's the supernatural power of the triune God. It doesn't mean that God and Jesus are not powerful. They are. They are all-powerful. But we don't see where they have a role of actively doing stuff like the Holy Spirit does. God's kind of the judge. Jesus is the Word, and the Holy Spirit is the one who does the stuff. God is the final authority. Jesus is the Word that brings it into action, and the Holy Spirit brings it about, makes it happen. And so He is the power of of Scripture. He is the power that wants to empower us, fill us with power. We see where the New Testament church was totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit. And that's interesting to me because he he is so active in the New Testament church that that it's not like um, there was the church and then there was the Pentecostal part of the church. That did not exist. All of the church was Pentecostal in the New Testament. All of it was Pentecostal the first, first couple hundred years. All, not some, all of the church. And it's weird how in today's society we say, well, there's the church and then there's those others, like the Pentecostals, you know, and then they believe in healing and so on, they believe in tongues and they believe in so. That was all of the church. Anybody in today's church that does not believe that's a necessity and is actively part of their existence would have been the outsider in the New Testament church. They would have been the ones like Acts uh, 17 ish where, where, um, Paul comes to these people and says, hey, you guys been filled with the Holy Spirit? And they said, we don't know what you're talking about. And he looks at them like, you're the only ones. They said, we don't know. We left Jerusalem. This I'm explaining how they're saying it. We left Jerusalem between John the Baptist and the, and the crucifixion. And so we understand a, a salvation of repentance, but we don't know what this Holy Spirit thing you're talking about. And he says, well, you need to be filled because you are way behind. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They were an anomaly. They weren't the norm. And it's weird how in today's society, we've pushed the Holy Spirit off into a corner and not let him be active, not let him be powerful. And he is literally the power of the universe. And I know I've been beating this to death over the last six months, but the church is dying in America. It is dying. It is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And the scripture says in the last days, you're going to have a form of godliness, but no power. Power is what keeps the church alive. Power is what makes the church move forward. It wasn't it's not about church growth things or structure, organizational systems or who the latest book of big church or small church or organic church or active church, I mean all the different things going on out there. And with all of these things, all the resources, all the, the, the conferences, everything we've got going on in the United States, the church is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. When does somebody go, maybe, just maybe? All of that stuff's not working. Just maybe. When do we just keep doing the same things over and over and over and, and it's producing the same results? Negative. When do we just go, okay, wait, how did they do this in the New Testament? Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem until you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't leave Jerusalem until you've been anointed with power, till you've been baptized, until you've been empowered with the Holy Spirit. And then... You can be the church you need to be. When do we get to that in America's church? We're, we're, we, we don't realize that we're desperate for this. We don't realize this, but well, we are. We don't even know it, but we are desperate for this. Acts chapter 2, verse 16. This is, this is uh, after they, in the first few verses, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they, these people come up and they're seeing what's going on, and they're hearing what's going on, and and it talking about they start in the upper room, but there's some legitimate argument that says that somewhere between that and when they were actually filled, they, they left the upper room and came down to like the colonnade or something in a more public place, because if they were still in the upper room, all of the next scriptures don't seem to make sense. They're, they're, they've somehow arrived in public, okay? And uh, so they're, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and uh, all these people are coming up, and there is a There is a uh, spiritual thing going on that has uh, emotional and physical implications. These people are so overwhelmed by the power of the Holy Spirit that they are, um, you can tell physically, according to the way they're being described as they are acting drunk, okay? Um, They're also speaking in all kinds of different languages, about 16 different languages that we can see through scripture that it talks about, many different languages from around the world. These are people that can't speak in those languages. So all the other people that are standing there that do speak these languages, they look at them and say, how are you doing this? How are you speaking that language? You don't know that language. You don't know my language. You don't know my language. And all these different people, are, they're amazed by this. Now, here's the interesting thing. Again, this is so different. When, when in American church do we stop long enough, open our eyes and say, wait a second, these aren't the same thing. What we have as church today and what is being described in Acts chapter 2 are not the same thing. What's being described in Acts 2 is supernatural. It's powerful. It's beyond physical. They're speaking in other languages. They're overwhelmed physically, mentally, emotionally by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we act like in today's church, ah, that's the same thing we're doing. Really? When's the last time somebody in here busted out in a language that you knew that you knew they didn't know? When's the, last time, when was, when's the last time somebody was so overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit that all they could do was just lay down on the floor and cry? Or they, they literally looked like what was describing. They looked like they were drunk. This is what these people are doing. Des- and by the way, that scares most of the church to death. Just, what I, just the little bit that I talked about right there. And that doesn't include a lot of other things in the book of Acts. Just this little part of, of verses 1 through 15 of Acts 2 uh, to scare the church to death in America. We're scared to death. That somehow God would be bigger than us. And here's, here's part of my deal is, well, I guess the church can just keep holding on to being as small as us. It's, it's killing us. We're dying, but let's hold on to it because at least we're comfortable. And he's describing some. So these people come up to Paul, uh, Peter and they say, Peter, are these guys drunk? What's going on? And uh, Well, they're asking everybody, and Peter steps forward, because that's Peter. Peter steps forward, and he begins to preach a message. Now, again, I don't, I don't have this. We're, we're jumping in right after he says this. But again, I've said this before. This is one of my favorite lines in the Bible. It's just a funny line to me, that when they come up to Peter, and they say, Peter, are these guys drunk? And he says, no. He should have just stopped there, in my opinion. No, let me tell you what this is. He says, no, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> like, if it's 2 in the afternoon, these guys are all bombed, but at nine, it's the Holy Spirit. I know that's not what he's saying, but doesn't it sound like that when he goes, no, it's, it's only nine. Um, so he says, then he gets up and he preaches a message, the very first message ever preached under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. There's many times when the Holy Spirit prompted people to speak messages uh, in scripture, but John describes it as the Holy Spirit was with them and now he's in them with them messages are different than in him messages. And Peter gets up and he speaks the first in him message. Holy Spirit is empowering. And he says, verse 16, no, talking about are they drunk or no, what you see here happening was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And I talked about this last week, that this is when he quotes Joel here, he is saying, I, I believe he's they knew what was going to happen. I, I, again, maybe this is just because I heard this growing up a handful of times and it stuck. But maybe you didn't ever hear this. But I always heard that the disciples had no idea what was about to happen. Zero idea. I just don't believe that. When I read scripture, I believe that they were told. Jesus tells them. He, he gets up on the mountain. He says, okay, now go to Jerusalem and wait there. And they're like, what's going to happen? He says, isn't telling? Secret. Well, how will we know? You'll know. Peter will tell you. Now, that's not what it was. I believe he was telling them. We see where he describes some of this stuff ahead of time. So, and the idea, I heard this, this was years and years ago. I heard somebody say, well, Jesus never talked about speaking in tongues. That's something that Paul made up later. Really? Because Jesus said in Mark, well, he said it in all four gospels. This is the most plain one. He said, go preach the gospel. These signs will follow you. One of them is speaking in tongues. Jesus said that. It's weird how we can come up with things in the church. Just come up with it. So, so Jesus explains all this. I believe that even Peter getting up and talking about this is proof that they knew a little bit about what was going to go on at least. And I think probably quite a bit. And he says, Joel prophesies in the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Now, I believe that that's right now today, too. And I'm going to show you that here in a second scripturally. But Jesus tells them then, but he tells us also that we are part of this. He, will say, he says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people, upon which of us in this room, all of us. We decide whether we uh, embrace that or not. But he's, but the but the Holy Spirit is right here waiting to do a lot more with you than you have allowed him to do. That's all of us. I'm not saying you know holier people have allowed him to do everything. That you're never going to get to the point where you are doing everything the Holy Spirit wants. He's always got more for you. He's always got better plan. He's always got bigger picture, more anointing, more boldness, more empowerment, more compassion. He's always trying to do more with you as you allow him. So that's where we have to do is okay. I'm going to allow him. That's what we've been talking about on Wednesday nights the last quite a few weeks is choices, the different choices people make in Bible. Why did they make them? What was the point? What, what, what was the outcome? All these different things. You have a choice right now. Do I really let the Holy Spirit get in and do some things with me that he wants to do? Or do I resist that because I'm afraid of Whatever. I'm afraid. When I was a kid, I was afraid. I saw people sometimes st- uh, sit at the front of the church on at an altar or something and just weep and cry and pray, and I was scared to death that somebody would see me cry like that. I was scared to death. In our family, you didn't cry. I was scared to death that somebody was going to see me like that, you know, and snobbering and all that kind of stuff. And and uh, I I didn't want that. And so I resisted the Lord. I resisted the Holy Spirit. Because I just knew that's what, that's what he wanted to do with me. I never thought that might actually be a side effect. What he's doing is actually much bigger, much different. I really thought that God just wants to make me cry. Not going to do it. Guess what? I succeeded in resisting him for a long time. I was successful. I hope you are not successful. It's weird how we come up with these things. He says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. That's you and me. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. How many of you in here are a son? I'm a son. How many of you are a daughter? Some of you raise your hand on both. (laughs) Come talk to me afterwards. We'll we'll help you straighten this out. Don't listen to society. You're one or the other. Okay, so. (laughs) so that means every one of us here, right? holy spirit wants to to be poured out upon every one of us here your young men will see visions as i said last week some of us all you who we know who we are your old men will dream dreams you guys know who you are right i realize i'm probably eking toward the second category you know what i'm saying i've been a christian a long time Been on this earth a long time I'm eking another 10 to 15 years, and I am probably going to be dead right in the middle of that second category, and I'm going to dream dreams. You know, I'll tell you something. This, this seems, like a, uh, seems like a small deal. I, I know the way I'm describing this, some of you are not going to have a clue when I'm talking about how cool this is, but this is. When I hear this, your old man will dream dreams, that's an exciting thing to me because I want God... You know he's talking about spiritual dreams, right? Spiritual vision, spiritual dreams. He's not just saying, you know, you you dream that you were uh, flying, that kind of thing. This is spiritual dreams that have spiritual context to it. But this is exciting for me because I haven't dreamed in years and years and years. In the last two or three weeks, four weeks, I've had a lot of questions about this subject because... I got a CPAP machine. Now you guys don't if you don't know what that is, it helps me breathe at night. This little thing that goes around my nose and it helps me breathe. And I for the first time in years and years and years, I am sleeping soundly and deeply. If you don't go into uh, to REM sleep, you don't dream. I didn't process this. I haven't dreamed in years. I haven't dreamed in years. Anybody that I talk to that, that has a CPAP, and they found out I got one, that's the first question they will ask me. Have you been dreaming a lot? Like crazy dreams? Yes. I've been dreaming. I'm a dreaming machine. It's like Hollywood's going off in my head. I'm dreaming about everything you can imagine, and most of it makes no sense whatsoever. But I'm just excited because I haven't, I didn't realize I haven't dreamed in years. I didn't realize because I hadn't slept in years. So now, all of a sudden, I'm sleeping. In fact, a couple of times over the last couple of weeks, Linda will roll over and, like, tap me on the shoulder because she wonders if I'm alive. Because why? I'm asleep, and I'm not making noise. N- normally, I'm like a bear. You know, that kind of thing going on. She's comfortable sleeping beside the bear. In fact, she told me, that, uh, she told me at least a, a dozen times over the last few weeks, you know, I really do miss that snoring. What is wrong with you? I miss it. Okay, whatever. So, when I read this, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. And I know that I'm probably getting closer to that old man category. This idea of dreaming dreams, I'm already excited because I'm dreaming again. But the second thing is, God, let's do this together. You promised it. Speak to me while I'm asleep, speak to me while my mind is resting. And, and I've been dwelling on you. I go to sleep reading your word. Speak to me because you want to give me dreams. Your word says it. Give me dreams. How cool is that? Literally, I'm not overdoing this. I haven't dreamed in years. I want, I want God dreams. And, and some of you younger guys have your visions. I want dreams. Right? Why? He says he wants to do this. Guys, think about this. For Just pause with me just for a second. Do you really believe in your spirit that God wants to speak to you? He wants to give you visions and dreams. He wants you to prophesy. Everybody, every one of us, prophesy, declare God. Declare God not, prophesying isn't um, telling the future. That's how we think about it. It's, it's declaring God, and sometimes it includes, very small percent of the time, it includes the future. It's declaring God. Don't you want the Holy Spirit to anoint you to do that? That's what he says he wants to do. Then he says, I will cause wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark, the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. Now now follow me here because this is a very interesting thing. A lot of the church has said for years and years, centuries now, that the the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, the uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit... Uh, signs and wonders, miracles, healing, all that kind of stuff, that that's not for today, that that was only during this time of Scripture, that it was only during the, what we call the apostolic period. Um, and so, therefore, it does not involve today, right? Okay, then following with this, six or seven hundred years before Jesus came to this earth and took on human flesh, called the Incarnation, Joel prophesies about this, at least 600 plus years before Joel prophesies about this. then Peter, on the moment that it is happening, while the Holy Spirit is being poured out, the guys are still, I don't know what they're doing, but they look drunk right behind him. while while it's happening, P, uh, Peter gets up and says, this is what Joel prophesied, 700 years before, it is happening now in your sight. And he says, in the last days, this is going to happen. So we know that the last days includes the day that Peter said it. Because he quotes Joel and he says, this is what you're seeing. And it says, in the last days, this what will happen. And then he, he has two sentences here, two, two verses, a few sentences here that talk about something that a casual read of the New Testament will reveal to you that he's talking about something that is in the book of Revelation that has not happened yet. He's quoting stuff from Joel 700 years before, saying it's happening now, talking about the last days, but he's describing something in the book of Revelation that has not happened yet. So a casual, not a deep theological study, a casual study would say two basic things. That what Joel prophesied started on that day and apparently continues until after our time frame today. Because the book of Revelation has not happened yet. He's describing stuff that hasn't happened yet that John describes in Revelation. So to to casually look at this, it must be for today as in the exact same strength or importance that it was the day that Peter said it. Because Peter anchors it right there to that day and says it's right now what you're seeing is right now oh and by the way it's going to be this stuff that we know now 2000 years later still has not happened so it's continuing so we are in the last days right now you that you have to agree with that we're in these last days now do how long do, do i know how long it's going to take no nobody does it could be another it could be a year it could be the, the book of revelation could happen right now um Or it could be another 500 years. But what we know is that 500 years included in this description, as is today. So Peter says, and he ends it with this sentence in verse 1, or Joel does, I mean verse 21, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What's he trying to say? Everything that he just talked about, prophecy, visions, dreams, the end time events, All of them are about one thing. People calling on the name of the Lord to be saved. This is why, if if you have people that you're reading books about Revelation, end time events and all that kind of stuff, they better be putting the focus on the fact that Jesus Christ wants people to be saved, not scared to death. If you're reading stuff about the book of Revelation, and all it is doing is scaring you, you've missed the point. It's about everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the whole concept of Pentecostalism. That's the whole concept of the gifts of the Spirit. That's the whole concept of prophecy and tongues and all this stuff. Because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the point. That's why all of this exists. That's why the Holy Spirit empowered these guys in Acts chapter 2. And it's the same reason he wants to empower all of us now. Because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So the question is this. Are we in the last days? Is, is there a last days mentality right now? See, one of the things that I have found in, um, in being a pastor, I'm in, <clears throat> I'm in two different worlds as a pastor. I've, I've had this conversation with police officers a lot, and they will say a very similar thing. Police officers live in two different worlds. They live in their world, and then they live in this other world, this um, uh, evil, junk, darkness, stuff. There's this two-world mentality, and uh, and and I do this. Most of you in this building, you don't really do that. And this is not a. It's just a. It's an assessment. It's not a, a grading or a or a judging or anything. It's not that. It's just we work hard in our lives to um, build our lives a certain way. That's why you live in certain neighborhoods. That's why you live in, in uh, you have certain kind of jobs and you raise your children in a certain kind of way and you choose certain kind of schools and all this other kind of stuff. If you have any uh, freedom to choose any of that kind of stuff, you make those choices according to certain things. And most of the time, it's so that you have a little comfort zone that's called your life. This is not bad. It's normal. Uh, a comfort zone called your life. And so what happens is you don't really interact with people for the most part, people outside that comfort zone. Okay? This is one of the reasons that I've noticed that, that the uh, church, one of the reasons church struggles in some ways is because when people in the church are really going through difficult situations, they don't really feel like they have the freedom to turn to church people sometimes because everybody else is trying to put the same foot forward that says, this is my life. And if you dip your toe into something that's not of the church world thinking, you feel like you're an outcast. Right? I, I've, I've had this conversation with... Um, with single people over the years, and specifically single women, I'm saying older, not like 25, but 35, 45, 55, that kind of thing, where they've been divorced or something like that, and as a single person, they feel like an outcast in the church. They feel like they're different than everybody else. Because, well, everybody else, is, it's about family and kids and all this other kind of stuff. It's, it's interesting. Now, I don't see it that way, and I know most of you would not see it that way. You, if somebody came up to you that was in that category and, you, and they said something like that, you'd be like, no, we, we're all one family. We love each other. Whatever. But that is the way that it is it's perceived sometimes. And so we have this, this mentality of Christianity, and we don't get outside of it so much. And so what happens is we begin to think that that's really how the world works. And it's not how the world works. There's a lot of evil in this world. There's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of negativeness. There's a lot of pain and attack um, from people to people. There, there's a lot. That's why when I hear the, the, these people that live in you know the, the, the usually Hollywood because they're so sheltered from everything, when they talk about well if we we'll just have if we'll just stop attacking people we won't have war anymore, really. I just talked to the Peasers. They're going to New York here in the next week or two, and they were talking about doing all this stuff. And Lynn and I have been there, so we were talking about things, and, and he said, it's, it's not really dangerous, right? And I said, no, but you don't want to walk around in, in Central Park in the middle of the night. Why? Because it doesn't matter whether you're attacking anybody. That's a bad idea. Because there are people that attack whether you're, that you attack them or not. There are people that are evil. There are people that are trying to hurt, trying to kill, trying to take things that are not theirs. Lynn and I just talked about this the other day. There is a, there is a, we, we have one of those doorbells that show people coming up, video doorbells. And uh, so then we got on a network, a uh, Facebook kind of thing for our doorbell in our community. And everybody that's showing you these pictures, and it's amazing, about once an hour every night, you'll get video of people that say, hey, this person has broken into my car, this person just did this, this person just did this, all through our neighborhoods. And I don't think I live in a bad neighborhood, but people are breaking into houses and cars all through the neighborhoods all night long. I'm so glad I got this doorbell. <laughs> it was happening before, but I didn't know it. I mean, I knew people broke into our house and people break into our cars. I didn't know it was all over. You know why? Because because humanity's evil. Humanity is sinful. And we convince ourselves it's not. So then, therefore, when something like the Holy Spirit, the subject of the Holy Spirit comes up, we don't see a necessity for it. Because why? We have a a decently comfortable life, and so we don't need a supernatural power of the universe to do something in my life. But guys, you do. That's the sad part, is Satan had convinced you you don't, but you do. Because as it goes all the way back to the beginning of G- Genesis, evil is crouching at your door. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, you are powerless to do anything about this. From temptations to addictions to anything else. Let me, let me go to the next sentence. Now, in the way that the book is put together... As human beings came along, we broke books into chapters and verses and things like that. Joel did not sit down and say, okay, new chapter, chapter 3, verse 1. Joel was just writing. We broke it into chapters. So this is the next sentence. It's not another thought process. It's, it's just an, the next sentence Joel wrote. He says, at the time of those events, what events? Prophesying visions, dreams, the, the end time stuff. Everyone called the name. At the time of those events... When I restore the prosperity of Judah and Jerusalem, says the Lord, I will gather the armies of the world into the valley of Jehoshaphat. There I will judge them for harming my people, my special possession, for scattering my people among the nations, and for dividing up my land. You understand what he's talking about here, right? This is the battle of Armageddon he's talking about. This is serious moment that he's talking about. And he's talking about the peoples of the earth. And then he says, and you say, well, that's not, yeah, but that's in the future. I mean, does that mean it's us? Are we still this last days when talented? Listen to the next sentence. They cast lots to decide which of my people would be their slaves. They traded boys to obtain prostitutes and sold girls for enough wine to get drunk. What does he mean enough wine to get drunk? In other words, not very much money. We're selling little girls just for enough money to get me some booze for the weekend. You think we're in the last days? Does this describe us? Over a hundred thousand children are abducted and put into uh, sex trafficking, slave trade in the United States every year. In the United States. The numbers are astronomical when you look around the world. I said this last week. There's more slavery on the planet right now than ever existed in history. That's why when people start talking about, well, we need reparations, that, that's stupid stuff. We, hundreds of thousands of people died in this country, on this land, to make sure that slavery was done away with. And there are still places in in the world right now, in Africa, where slave trading is an open business. Why does no one in America care about that? We're bringing up stuff 150 years old to beat people up with when it's actively still going on. The reason is because the people that are mouthing all this, they don't really care. They're just using people against people. This is hate mongering. Slavery exists now. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people are sold across just the continent of Africa right now. Slave trading. We don't care. We'll complain about something 150 years. We don't really care. Kids are kidnapped and sold into sex trafficking all over the planet by the millions right now. We're not doing anything about it. I mean, there are groups. We, we support Sarah's home here that's rescuing girls out of this. But they have four beds. Four. Do, do, you, do you see the enormity of what I'm saying? Do we need the Holy Spirit right now? Do we need the Holy Spirit, the power that rose Jesus Christ from the grave that can quicken my mortal body? Do we need the Holy Spirit right now? Yes. Because evil is all around us. And it's happening right here in America. And it's destroying us. It's tearing us apart. And the church just gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Why? Because we have no power. We have no power if we could get rid of all of the church stupidity that we spend so much time, all the conferences and all the stuff and all the training and the organizational things and everything, and if we just get on our face before God and say, Holy Spirit, give me your power. That's the only thing they had 2,000 years ago. They didn't have all the other stuff. It was the only thing they had. They had power. So this is what happens. Acts chapter 2. Let, let me give you a few more things that just this week had gotten my head about this. Speaking of the evil that is our country right now in America, as we are such a dark country right now, so blind by sin, so immoral. I'm, I'm sure some of you have heard about this. The name Bob Iger may resonate with any of you. The CEO of Disney. Georgia just has been trying to pass a bill that says that a baby cannot be murdered after you hear the heartbeat. Some people call it aborted. I think that's a silly term. Um, you're not allowed to murder the baby until, I mean, once you hear a heartbeat. Before that, you can still murder the baby. So Georgia's not doing away with abortion. They're just limiting it. Once you hear the heartbeat, you cannot murder the baby any longer. And because of this, Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, now think about Disney, who's Disney. Disney, you would think the CEO of Disney would say, we believe in children. We've built an empire on children. It's all about children. We love children. And so therefore, we're going to stand with Georgia for this. It's exact opposite. Bob Iger came out this week for for Disney and said, we will pull all of our organization out of Georgia. We are boycotting Georgia until this evil, uh, um, uh, hate-mongering quits. Do you realize how benign that thinking is? How reverse that thinking is? The CEO of Disney says, as long as you don't want to murder babies, we cannot be a part of you. If you'll go back to murdering babies, we'll partner with you again. But as long as you take a stand against murdering babies, we will leave Georgia. And go back to where people love each other and connect with each other and are sound mind. We're going back to Hollywood. I know, right? And interestingly, just this week, another interesting thing happened. A couple months ago, a baby was born in Japan. Very, very premature. Anybody else hear about this? This baby was born so premature, the baby was nine years ounces do you realize how small that is it's smaller than the palm of my hand the baby was born a a male baby which makes this even more statistically more amazing but he was born uh i'm sorry the girl it was a girl that was born in japan another one was born later this girl that was born in japan nine ounces they just released her from the hospital this week uh she was five and a half pounds when she was born, scientists said she'll never live. It's not possible. You should have aborted the baby. I read the article. It says that in there. And God said, "Challenge accepted." These are my babies. And that baby was just released, five and a half pounds. How dare we? How dare we as humans play God and kill these babies? So, Peter gets up. What does he say? Going down to the end of his message. Peter's words pierce their hearts. What does that mean? Peter's words pierce their hearts. The reason his words pierce their hearts is because of the Holy Spirit. That's a Holy Spirit anointed words piercing human hearts. That's not human words piercing human hearts. That's Holy Spirit anointed. His words pierce their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Which is where he was trying to get to. He said, I'm glad you asked that question. This is where we were headed the whole time. This is why, as Christians, it's important for us. I know that some of us plant, some of us water, and not everybody is the one who gets to see the person get saved. I get that. I understand that. But I also know that a lot of people don't get saved because we never even try to go there. You should at least try to go there. I had an interesting conversation with a, a lady uh, this last week. I was in a place of business, and she was saying something. She said, I couldn't be here earlier. I was at the hospital, I mean, at the doctor's. And I said, is, there, is it something I can pray about? It wasn't that difficult to do. It caught her off guard, though. She was like, what? Huh? Was, uh, well, hi. How i You know that. But, I mean, she finally did tell me what was going on, and I did pray with her. But just ask the question. I know that sounds weird, and it might throw you off, but if you have just been to the hospital, specifically with big news, wouldn't you want somebody to care? It, she definitely cared that I asked the question. Guys, just, just try to close the deal, and that's what Peter's doing here. So Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ to show that you have received forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That should be the same answer we have. When when you finally get to that point, somebody says, so what should I do about this? Repent. Ask the Lord to forgive you. I said that to a guy in in the airport a few years back. I've been talking to him about all this stuff, and he said, so what should I do about this? And I said, why don't we pray? He said, okay. And I said, you need to ask God to forgive you. He was taken aback a little bit by that sentence, not the way you think. Your first reaction would be, yeah, he would probably be a little offended. What do you mean? I got? To... That's not what he was, saying. he was saying. He said, really, is that all? And I said, well, let's start there because it's much bigger than you think. But yeah, that's all. Just repent. Turn to the Lord. Okay, so he said, this promises to you and to your children, even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. Strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourself in this crooked generation. So after he preached a whole message, after he had a time of prayer, after all this stuff, he preached a long time again. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. 3,000 all. Not everybody believed. Not everybody was added to the church. But at least 3,000 of the massive crowd that was there got saved that moment. Because of what? The Holy Spirit pierced their hearts with Peter's words. I want that kind of words coming out of my mouth. I want Holy Spirit-anointed, soul-piercing words coming out of my mouth. And I know you do too. We've got to have the Holy Spirit. We've got to. The the four things he said, repent, turn from your sins, be baptized. as talking in water and filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, let me go back to this and read two verses to you. Verse 17 Verse 21, he starts off by saying, Joel said this, and the last day was I will pour out my spirit upon all people. And he ends that thought with, Joel ends that thought with, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, because that's why we need to be empowered. That's the reason. Why you stand with me? <clears throat> We're closing a little early this morning. A couple basic reasons. One is because I'm planning on preaching another message after we pray. Because Peter did, why can't I? No, because everybody, Linda preached recently, Josh preached recently, and everybody comes up to me and says, you know, they got out so early. Bringing it home with the music, making sure. <laughs> okay, guys, here, here's what we need to do with this. I'd like our prayer partners to come forward. Here's what we're going to try to do with this. Same thing we're doing last week. Let's focus in on this. I, I want you to be able to pray for anything that you're needing to pray for, Okay. You got something going on in your life, healing, you need uh, healing, financial stuff, relational stuff. That's what our prayer partners are here to pray with you about. But I would really like you, before you take off this morning, I would really like you either find a place to pray or ask the prayer partners to pray with you. And specifically, pray about this. Holy Spirit, I want you to fill me. I want you to fill me. And as you're praying, as you're praying, just begin to pray in the Spirit. Lord, fill me. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with power that's bigger than me. Power that transcends my limitedness. My next door neighbor needs me to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Your co-worker needs you to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Ask him. That's the most important thing. We need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So before you leave here this morning, at least, at the very least, sitting where you are or find you a place to kneel down or something, Just spend a few minutes just talking to the Lord, Lord. I need you. This is the this is the order you go by. Same thing Peter said. First thing you do is repent. Lord, wash me clean. I'm gonna pray for us just a second for that. Lord, wash me clean. Then then, Holy Spirit, fill me. You start with repentance. Start with repentance because you're doing the same thing. I want to be covered with the blood of Jesus. I want to be for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, I want to be saved. I want to walk in Jesus. And then I want to be able to do that for others. So the inward, Lord, fill me, save me, forgive me. And the outward is, and I'm going to tell other people about this. I've had some great testimonies this last couple of weeks of people getting saved. I, I may talk about that some Wednesday night. But. So bow your heads with me. Let's pray. Lord, we ask you to, to, to forgive us, to wash us clean. Lord, will we start with repentance. We just start with repentance. Lord, Forgive us. Forgive us. Lord, forgive us as a, as a country first, just all the junk, the immorality, evilness that has somehow so strongly taken over people's minds and their hearts that they say completely insane things. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us as individuals, Lord, at whatever level that we contribute to this, either through through pretending it doesn't exist. Sweeping under the rug. Lord, at whatever level we contribute to this. God, I pray against all the junk that Satan throws at our country, the, the pornography, nudity everywhere. Lord, we know that contributes to, to, to human trafficking. We know it contributes to abortion. We know it contributes to this stuff. Lord, forgive us. Lord, as individuals, forgive us when we don't serve you the we way we're supposed to, when we let sin come in. Forgive us. Lord then fill us fill us with your power fill us with your Holy Spirit fill us with your presence Lord every one of us in this room stir in our hearts let your word pierce deep into our hearts in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus so if you have to go you're welcome to but We've got our prayer partners up here, and I think we've got some at the back, back there. Find one of them and just have them pray with you. Find a place to pray. Just let the Holy Spirit just do what he wants to do and not run from it. Just do what he wants to do. Have a great rest of your day.